0: The game's all about.
1: All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss.
0: up couldn't make that if you tried that again.
1: Absolutely
2: not. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by my colleague, NBA Futures Analyst, Brandon Anderson. We got a full Uh, Three days off, Brandon. We got, we got a good three days off. Did you enjoy the off season? Great weekend. (laughs) And and now we're back at it and to help us break down the NBA draft and betting from all sorts of angles, my friends, an absolutely genius level draft analyst who I have long thought is one of the best minds out there when analyzing prospects, very knowledgeable, lots of Intel, lots of stuff to get from him. Also, been known, been known to throw a few bucks around a few uh, games every now and again. He's the Athletics' Sam Senny. You can also catch him on his podcast, Game Theory, with Sam Senny. Sam, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing great, man. How's it going, boys? I'm excited. It's draft week. We're here. We're finally past it. I finished the draft guide, you know, early last week. It's going up tomorrow, as you can see by my eyes that are like sunken all the way back into my face. <laughs> I have barely slept. It feels like, but I'm pumped. I'm ready. This is it. Let's do it. Uh, Yeah, it's great because you have this all
2: this energy now. And by Thursday, you're just going to be like, end it. God, please end it.
0: Let it be. Oh, no. Well, the funny thing is that on Friday. So it's Friday here because I live in Melbourne. Right. So the draft happens on Friday morning here, but because it happens in the morning, i have to wake up at like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning on draft day so and look like matt has kids like matt's up at three o'clock or used to be up at three o'clock like when the kids were younger and everything like he's he, he's like you know how can you even complain about this right it's just you know you can't you can't manage it sometimes you got to just During, roll with it and then let me you, ask something, you on the that time. time
2: differential how often do you wake up in the morning and just your phone is just like Brr just like a, a, oh, every, a whole long string of stuff
0: every day. Like seriously every day, especially like for the last month, there has not been a day where I've woken up where I've had less than five text messages. At least this morning I woke up and had, let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve 10, 11, 12. Different people reach out to me uh, within the basketball industry. So uh, you know, I've been awake now for two hours. So, you know, between between 12 and nine, I would say uh, that was those 12 people. So that's going to happen. These Well, <laughs> let's start right at the top. OK,
2: let's start right here, because I did an article on Action Network breaking this news down. I want to get in, your thoughts on it, Sam. So, okay, For Orlando wins the lottery and Jabari was actually Jory Smith was plus a thousand it was a 10 to one back in february when i bet him like way back it was 10 to one on jabari um orlando wins the lottery immediately jabari comes in as the favorite after as the books start to pop up he it's a slight favorite and that grows over time and he goes brandon do you remember what the highest he got to was
1: what what jabari got to it got to somewhere around like minus four, minus 500, depending yeah. on the book. It yeah. I saw it at 500. Yeah. It was wild. In the last,
2: I don't know, three weeks, we've seen a regression from there. And like, I was betting you couldn't get Chet at a great number. I never got him anything better than plus 200. Um, bet some on Chet at plus 200 then, because I already had the the 10 to one on Jabari. And now it's it's moved way, 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 way back. And now, Jabari's still the favorite. Chet is a small plus number. And what's interesting is Ben Paolo Bancaro, who everyone was like, oh, he's going through to Houston. Problem solved. Like, it seemed like one of those draft things where it's like, oh, this is just convenient. Houston wants a big. Bancaro's it's it's, never, convenient. it's yeah. never
0: convenient. It's never convenient.
2: Yeah. It, it seemed like everything was going to be fine. Then something happened on Sunday. I had two people reach out to me in the league and be like, "Hey, there's a little bit of noise that Ben Carroll may go number 1." Now, that may just be like draft nicks talking to each other and being like, "You know, Ben Carroll just might be the best guy in the draft." That's entirely possible. But the movement of the books has been stark. He was plus 1600 on Sunday afternoon at Bet MGM. He's plus 400 to go number 1 right now. If it was just at Bet MGM, okay, one better came in, decided like got hammered Came in on their phone, bet a big number on Bancaro at a plus number. They moved him, whatever. Right. But it's been across the board. And I checked in with several books. Winbet had 37 bets placed in the last 24 hours on Bancaro to go number one. We've seen DraftKings moving from 1100 to one to 400 to one. This was the most stark one. Superbook told me they hadn't had the the props up yet. They opened on Monday morning at plus 1600 and immediately saw sharp action. That's per Jeff Sherman over at Superbook. Thank you, Jeff. Sharp action, moving him from plus 1600 to plus 400. So there's been, for whatever reason, the Sharps think the Palo Bancaro is value bet at 16 to one, nine to one, 12 to one, to force this all the way down to four to one. Sam, what's your read on the Palo Bancaro Orlando situation as it relates to the number one pick in the draft?
0: Yeah, so... I think that to talk about the Paulo situation, particularly, we have to start by talking about the Jabari situation, because I think that ultimately that's where this initial thing has happened, right? I think that the odds got way too pushed in Jabari's favor. From what I understand, there was never really a decision that was made in Orlando, and there has not been a decision that was made as of late last week that uh, Jabari Smith is like 100% the guy. So that's one side of this. The other side of this is uh, I remember I was talking to Jack Miller over at Establish the Run, and he actually asked a question on the podcast and said, like, if you were handicapping the number one pick, how would you handicap it? Like, how how would you figure this out, right? I said that I thought Jabari Smith should be around minus 160 or so. I thought that Chet should be around plus 130. And I I thought Paulo should be, you know, plus 700, something like that. I think that the Paulo action is more that the odds are so drastically like out of whack right now. And Paulo is genuinely equal with these other two guys. Like if you have Paulo at number one, I think that's totally reasonable case. I have Paulo three personally. I really like Paulo. I think he's a potential all-star level player. I just have him a little bit lower than these other two guys, but Around the league, it is much more split. Like, there there is a real, real split in terms of, do you have Chet at number one? Do you have Paulo at number one? Do you have Jabari at number one? And I think that because all of us who do mock drafts and do it in a, a, you know, a mainstream, whatever the hell you want to call it, right, manner, we all had it as... You know, me, Gavoni, Jeremy Wu, X, Y, and Z, right? Uh, we all had it as Jabari, Chet, Paulo. I think that it began to feel like there was consensus where there actually wasn't necessarily consensus mm-hmm. in a real way. And it's not to say it was groupthinky, it was just that is, you know, what all of you know, our disparate intels. I'm not going to speak for them. I can speak for myself and say that like my intel seemed to be that Jabari was the favorite. Oklahoma City, you know, Chet makes a lot of sense to so Oklahoma City and Houston uh, will take whichever of the three falls. So it's it's complicated, I think. And I think that it's more of a reaction to the fact that Jabari is not a surefire number one overall pick. This is a three person race, genuinely, and Paulo was priced way drastically higher than he should have been at plus 1800. Right.
2: So like if you're like me and you, you have Jabari at, at 10 to one and you've got Chet at two to one, and I obviously, and I bet Bankara, once I started to see this movement at whatever, and and I'll tell you, like even at four to one, like there are still books out there that are hanging longer numbers. If you can find those, I still think there's a 700 out there. If you can still find those, I still think that there's probably value on it. If you're shopping for the better value, That's like that's the whole thing here is like there's value on Bancaro. That doesn't mean that he's going to go number one. It means that there is better value than the odds represent. Uh, Brandon, you have been the check guy. You opened up with Chet after the lottery as uh, as like the the check guy going number one. Um, Where do you think that Chet fits into this conversation? Because I have a hard time with a a lot of this whole thing. And I'm trying very hard to like keep my own observations out of it and just rely on what I've heard. And I think Chet's very much in this conversation for number one, but where do you think the value is? If you're looking for an angle on, on Chet Holmgren right now, do you still think there's value on him as a dog at number one? Do you think that there's value on him longer? How do you kind of cap this for, if you're specifically looking to bet Chet Holmgren?
1: The value on a possible Chet number one is gone right now. Again, same thing you're saying. Not because I don't think he can go number one anymore. I think he absolutely is in play. It's just that the number has moved to where I think that that's probably an accurate representation of the chance that Chet goes number one. So you don't bet at that. And the number is not there. I think the interesting angle with Holmgren is uh, I think we agree of, of these three guys, if a team is going to really like someone, sure. It could be any one of the three, but I think of the three Jabari, Chet, Paolo, if there's one guy that you have crossed off your board or moved down your board further than the uh, presumed top three bigs, I think Chet seems like the guy there. You know, like that is. I'm I'm curious, Sam. I, I want to hear your opinion on this in a second. But I think we all assume you said if it gets to Houston at three, they just take whichever one is left. Well, I'm not positive. I feel that way about Chet Holmgren. So I actually think the value has kind of swung the other way. I've been looking at, well, what if Chet isn't number one, like I thought? What if Oklahoma City doesn't want Chet? What if Houston had kind of locked in on, well, we did want Paolo, but now he isn't there. Where could Chet slide to? And I'm seeing like 55 to one at number four, 100 to one at number five. Like, is Chet a guy that could fall out, or do you think Houston really is uh, locked in to just give us one of the three?
0: So, look, there's also a pervasive public rumor. Uh I have not been able to like actually source the where this started, right? Uh but there is a public rumor that Jaden Ivey is of interest to Oklahoma City. Like that's been in the public sphere at this point. And again, I can't really figure that rumor out. You know, Alex Spears, who you know hosts the Down to Dunk podcast with Andrew Schlecht and does the um Sunday Saturday slam and jam with Andrew he kind of did a Twitter thread over the uh, over last night where he was like trying to figure out who would benefit from leaking that Oklahoma city has interest in Jaden Ivy. And that, that is something I'm struggling with. I'm struggling to figure out, you know, why that would actually come out. And Alexei Pokushevsky, it was well-known was liked by Oklahoma city. It was well-known before the draft, you know, that Oklahoma city had promised campaign the front office has leaked before that you know but it's it's not really a front office known for leaking like Sam Presti keeps that thing under wraps, man. So I I find it hard to believe that that is anything other than another team trying to like or an agency trying to like build up any sort of value for Jade and Ivy. But like where does the value come for them at number by saying that like Oklahoma City has interest in Jade and Ivy at two? Are you trying to like Convince Sacramento, like that, someone is going to move up. Like you're trying to get him to avoid Sacramento somehow, because it seems like that's kind of been what's happening with Jaden Ivey. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure out that part of the rumor. So to answer Brandon's question, I think it's important to provide the context that, like yeah. Oklahoma City, Jaden Ivey, even though I can't figure out how real or not that is, is a pervasive public rumor that has been out there for a few weeks now. I think that I would not see Chet Holmgren sliding past four at the very least, if only because, I mean, God, can you imagine a better fit for Demontis Sabonis than Chet Holmgren? Like playing, you know, as a four or five, you know, th- that combo, he provides everything that you need for Sabonis. He's such an incredible ball handler. Like he's, he's like a more complete version of Miles Turner and the idea of what the Pacers had a while ago. So I'll tell you this.
2: I'm, I bet Jaden Ivey's number two. Um. I'll just go ahead and say that. Now, look, sure, I, yeah, I bet yeah. because I think that there's like a big number on it. Sam Presti did not call me and be like, hey, Matt, we're taking Jaden Ivey number two. That's not a thing that happens, right. right? It's not a thing that happens. <laughs> right. It's not a thing that happens. Um. I think a lot about when OKC's in these drafts. And this was a thing with, with Giddy. This is one of the reasons that we we were betting the, the under on Giddy last year. If you look at like who the type of guys that they want to draft are, I look at Chet Holmgren. And I look at how OKC approaches the drafts, and particularly this one with Victor
0: next year. And I it doesn't necessarily click to me. I just say the Victor thing with Oklahoma City, I think that trying to put anything with Victor onto Oklahoma City in terms of how it informs their draft decision making this year is just like not the way to think about this. I think at best. At best, they have a 14% chance. Sure. And we can talk about the fact that, oh, Oklahoma City has all these draft assets. They're gonna be able to trade up and get whoever they want. The team that gets number one overall is not fucking trading Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> there's just yeah. no way. So I I just cannot see a world where that informs their decision making this year, given how smart we know Sam Presti is. I guess that the difference
2: here is do I look at the Thunder from what I know of that organization, and do I think that they will think that Jabari Chet or Paolo, or a franchise-defining cornerstone, yeah. and if I don't think so, that factors in. That factors into the conversation, like that factors into the process of. Well, it, like it's last a big year.
0: part of why I have Paolo at three versus one. I like Paolo. I don't think he's like a franchise-defining player, though. Right. And I think that Jabari and Chet are just a little bit more scalable to winning situations because of how high level they are on defense and how high level shooters they are.
2: I want to ask you. So here, here's like an interesting kind of like dynamic to, to try and read through. So we, we've got these these chat comments about OKC. Like, it's very obvious that Chet's people are trying to steer him to OKC, which I think is weird. Right. Why would you be trying to steer him to OKC if there's a legit chance that he can go number one, which we kind of have agreed because Orlando, at the very least, have not decided. And if he's in that kind of a conversation. I don't believe that there is a basket like I, I just am very cynical and you can maybe sway me on this, Sam. I have a hard time being like, well, they just think the basketball is like a really good fit for his future. People want the money and the notoriety. And both of those things come with the number one pick over the number two. And yeah, it's a slight differential in terms of you still get paid really well. And OKC is a much better organizational fit for sure. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, we talked about how close to the vest Sam Presty plays it. The first thing that they're ever going to tell those, those prospects, the first thing they're ever going to say is like, "Hey, don't talk about what we do." Like that's their entire culture is don't talk about what we do. Reporters, other teams, anyone, your grandmother, the president, don't care. Don't talk. We don't talk. Right. So I'm having a hard time trying to figure out how we read the comments. Um, his agent, Bill Duffy, Chet Holmgren's agent, Bill Duffy, is close to both um, the Magic front office. He has long-standing ties to John Hammond. And he's known Sam Presti forever. Like those two are on good terms. So there's no like edge there. But I want to get your read on what you think of the Chet comments about OKC.
0: Well, at the end of the day, all about money and everything like that. Like it has to do with playing time. Oklahoma, or, Orlando's front court is somewhat loaded. And we don't know what the situation with Jonathan Isaac is right now. We don't know, you know, how that front court is going to shake out because of that. They also have Franz Wagner, whose best position is the four, which is a position that Chet is probably going to have to play. Early in his career, they already have Wendell Carter at the five, who they've signed to a longer term deal, which is hopefully Chet's best long term position in five years. Uh, They also have Chuma Okiki, who's going to get some minutes. I think it's purely like, okay, maybe Chet Holmgren plays 20 minutes a night in Orlando. Oh, by the way, they also have this Mo Bamba situation where uh, I would assume they're not going to pick up his qualifying offer just because of how expensive it is. But like, we don't have any indication there yet on that. Oklahoma city, there's just nobody there in the front court. Like he's going to play 30 minutes from the jump. He's going to put up numbers. I I really think that it has to do with just how open the roster situation is. And the fact that frankly, like Sam Presti is as, uh, as locked in as a general manager can be in terms of job security in Oklahoma city, as you can fathom. And I don't know what Orlando's job security looks like in that front office. They haven't won for a while, Typically you get a couple of years when you're rebuilding, but you know, there's some concern about the Jalen Suggs pick, which I loved last year, but it didn't work out as a rookie. So, you know, I I think that there are a lot of reasons why trying to steer your client to Oklahoma city makes sense. Do I like totally, you know, am I a hundred percent sure it's happening? No, I'm not. Like I think that there's so much smoke this time of year that I can't 100% read it.
2: Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about this scenario because my belief is that if Carroll were to go one, OKC would rush and pick up Jabari Smith to the, to the podium. That's my belief is that OKC would take Jabari Smith and be very happy with that selection. Um, am I, uh, <laughs> a longstanding comfort of, of institutional knowledge. Let's say I feel okay. that is my, re- now again, you, we're everything in this is these decision makers are often. Like things change, right? Like the last time that I checked in on these things could be wrong, but that's my belief is that they would take Jabari if Ben Carroll went one. Let's say that I'm right for the sake of the argument. Let's say that I'm right, and if Ben Carroll went one and Jabari goes two, let's say that there's nothing warning off of Houston from Chet any more than just the the normal like wait Orlando and OKC both passed on Chet because that's going to give anybody pause. Um, Houston wants a big, isn't it like it. it is the difference between Bancaro and Chet, and I know they're drastically different players, but is that is there anything that would that would make Houston not take Bancaro or uh, Chet at that point? Because that seems to me like, okay, if he slides past two, if he's the one that gets edged out for whatever reason, then Houston will just pick him up at three.
0: So look, I, if I remember correctly, John Cavoni wrote a uh, thing in one of his previous mock drafts saying that Houston has some interest in creating the most athletic backcourt in the NBA in Jaden Ivey and Jalen Green. I find that hard to believe. I think that like a part of trading Christian Wood probably had to do with the fact that they were opening up a front court spot and have some sort of indication on the direction that they were going to go. So I would think it's much more likely that Chet Holmgren would go number three if he would fall to number three than fall to number four. I think that number three with Chet is as far as he would get to. But again, I don't really know if like, uh, like you mentioned in your story that Chet from Matt Babcock, I guess was the report that Chet hasn't been as forthcoming with his medicals as some other prospects have been. And I don't know if he, uh, Houston has gotten his medicals. That's just not information that I have. Right. So. Would that play a factor? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think that Houston's done a pretty good job of uh, outside of trading Christian Wood, keeping their draft intentions relatively quiet. But it's also because it's pretty simple, I think. Like it's you just take whatever
1: big falls to you and you go from there. Right. Uh, So let's say we're on draft night. It's pick four. Pick four has just gone on the clock. And whatever the story is, one of these three big men is available. Well, let, let's say I'm assuming it's probably Jay and Ivy oh. went to one of the top picks, <laughs> but we're at number four. What's the scenario? Who's the guy that is available in the weird spot where we made it past the top three? I think Chet is probably the one that would be available.
0: That's what you're asking, right? Which yes. big would be yeah. available? I think Chet's the most likely
1: one to be available.
2: Yeah. So, so Chet either goes two or he falls one two or he falls.
1: So I'm seeing plus fifty five hundred. No, he could, he could go three, but that that would
0: mean that Paulo
1: is gone. at one or two you gotcha. would think and thus okay.
0: he would you know be an
1: option at 3. So Chet is 55 to 1 at FanDuel to go number 4. It sounds like you think if he makes it to 4 at least he gets scooped up, traded up, whatever. It, you know, what is that? That's under 2% implied. Do you think there's a better than a 2% chance that Chet or someone falls out of the top 3 or do oh. you just think the 3 are the bigs and that's where we're going?
0: Welcome to podcasting
2: with Brandon about betting. This is yeah, this we're is my looking life, for Sam.
1: value. This is what
0: we do. <laughs> it's It's not the worst theory I have heard. I would be pretty surprised if we're on draft night and Chet falls below number three, if only because typically the guys that fall, they have some sort of question in regard to character. There has never been any sort like forget questions in regard to character. Like Chet is elite across the board in terms of character. Yeah. Um. And I tend not to bet on those guys to fall at the end of the day.
2: Um. Let's move on to the fourth pick, which is the most interesting one on the board is the Kings pick. Sean um, Sarani of the athletic reported on Monday that, yo, you know, the Kings actually are growing more comfortable with keeping the pick. This is the same time that I got two different texts about possible deals that they're exploring for the number four pick. Like I'm not saying they're going to trade it. I'm saying that's not like the Kings are like, maybe we'll just keep this thing. Vivek Radive has has expressed like a like for for Keegan Murray uh, I think that that's there's a lot of, of speculation on Murray especially going high his number is really interesting they're hanging a bad line on us DraftKings has him five and a half as the over under it's a minus 235 I have to pay minus 235 essentially that he goes
0: I think that's a good line by DraftKings for what it's worth I mean it's it's a good line <laughs> like, for them. If I'm thinking about it from the sports book perspective. Yeah, it's a good, good line. line for them. Uh,
2: <laughs> it's a bad line for us at minus at minus at 235. So m- where I'm at basically based off of what I've heard is I don't think that he makes it to six. And that's where there's a lot of teams that are looking to move up. They're looking at either I got to get to four or I got to get to five where Keegan Murray's off the board. Because there's the agreement on there's the top three of the guys that we've talked about. Jaden is like almost at this point, I think Jaden Ivey might be in a tier by himself. It might be like the top three and then Jaden Ivey. And then we can start talking about Keegan Murray and and everybody else. Um, Is there like, what is the scenario in which Keegan doesn't go like that? He goes
0: over five and a half. Is there one? Can you see a scenario where Murray slips? Yeah, it would involve trades. I think Um, I'd be surprised if Keegan got past Detroit, if Jaden Ivy is off the board, I think that it seems like, uh, you know, our James Edwards at the site has been very clear throughout the year that Keegan Murray has a lot of fans in the Detroit front office. And that tracks with what I've been told. I've been saying the whole time that I think Keegan goes four or five or six. It's going to be one of the three. Now, obviously six would be interesting in that regard, but. It would require like it would require almost like Ben Matherin to go into like another workout in Detroit and just like literally burn the nets off the rim. I think (laughs) like shooting Uh, or it would require Detroit trading the pick and trading it or it would require the Kings doing something completely wild like taking shade and sharp number four and look the Kings need wing help. And my guess is that they probably end up taking Keegan Murray for that wing help. Uh, Chris Haynes note that uh, they had Keegan go out to dinner with the Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox was interesting to me. Cause that's like not super normal. Right. Uh, whenever you're talking about uh, you know, prospects and figuring out, you know, wh- where guys are going to land. I haven't really heard of that a ton. It happens, but that's not a normal occurrence. Um, so I think the Kings absolutely have real interest in Keegan. Uh, I would be surprised if it was anyone other than Keegan or Jaden at number four. But look, the Kings, I think, are a real threat to move this pick. Yeah. And let's say that that's Jaden Ivy, and then who knows what happens with Detroit at number five? Let's say Detroit moves the pick and moves it to Indiana. Maybe maybe Indiana wants to spike up because they think Detroit's taking Keegan Murray or something. And they want to take Jaden. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's actually hard. The more I think about it, I think that it's the right line to be at five and a half uh, with like heavily juiced the under, uh, I would be surprised if he got past five. I think there's a world where he gets past six, but I'm not like, you know, that. yeah, I'd be surprised if he got, there's no way he's getting past six. I don't think I would be surprised if he got past five. So there's two guys I want
2: to kind of compare here. Uh, Dyson Daniels and Shaden Sharp. Because it mm-hmm. seems I've heard a lot of buzz on Daniels that he's in the the four, yeah. five, six range. That that's a conversation. Like he's mentioned with Keegan as in, like, he's in those conversations of it's either gonna be Keegan. If Keegan's off the board, it might be Dyson, they might just take take Dyson anyway. Um, and then we got Shaden Sharp, who Brandon wrote an article um on him. This week, which you can read over at Action Network and on the Action Network app, the award-winning Action Network app, uh, and talked about his his draft position and the over-under. And Brandon, can you sum up your position on Shaden Sharp?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, my position is I like the under just because at the top of the draft, if you are at the top of the draft, you are there because you need big swings on talent. And Shaden Sharp is the big swing on talent. Once you get past the top three. The unknown thing is unknown upside. To some team, it's like, nope, don't want it, don't want to touch it, I'm out. But it only takes one team. I think four, five, six, seven range. You know, everyone wants that flashy wing scorer, and there really isn't a lot of that in, in the, the the scoring component of that in the draft. And if you think Sharp is that guy, if he's the Jalen Green of this class or whoever that person is, I, I just think that there's the avenue there with the youth and the upside for just. A team to fall in love with the unknown and take a swing. So, Sam, I have heard nothing
2: on Shaden Sharp. Nothing. I don't have zip butka. I don't have a stopping point. Usually I hear like, well, yeah, if he gets to this point, they want him, even though he's probably not going to be there. Don't have that. Uh, Shaden's agent represents one person, and that's Shaden Sharp. And if you Google this person, Some interesting stories around this conversation, more to the point of just explaining, like, look, this person may not be well versed in in navigating media waters to get him into these conversations, which could impact things. And so Sharp could be this quiet sleeper that nobody's talking about, or it could be I've heard some things about the interviews that have not gone great, but you always want to stay away from those because it's look, it's an 18 year old having to have conversations like an adult. And sometimes that's a problem uh sharps over under we got at points bet seven and a half the over is juice minus 150 the under is plus 110 you get a plus number on Shaden sharp when we compare Dyson and daniels and Shaden sharp they both can't go in these in these relative to their spots they both can't go under what is your read on those two and kind of the situations that that are different between them and if you've heard more please fill me in because i've heard nothing <laughs> on Shaden sharp
0: So I've heard a lot of mixed things on Shaden Sharp's workouts, particularly. Some people have said that he came in and, you know, burned the nets down. Some people have said like he wasn't that impressive. So I don't know what to make of that. Maybe he was impressive some places, not impressive others. I know he's worked out a ton of places, I feel like, for or at least met with a lot of places for someone that is seen as a lottery pick. Like typically lottery picks they kind of limit and target and try to make things uh a little bit more targeted uh is the way to put it in terms of where they're trying to land uh Shaden his kind of it seems like been more all over the place and that creates an interesting scenario where let's say he burned down the nets in one place they're probably not going to tell anyone right because they want to keep that quiet he doesn't play super well in another place. They're probably going to tell everyone because they're like, okay, let's keep our options open, right? That maybe he lands here and we like the tape, and you know we're willing to take flyer on it. So I'm, a, you know, he he is known as like a very quiet kid. To your point, Matt, in terms of you know maybe the interviews haven't gone as well as what you would think. Again, I don't think that's worth diving into because you know he's an 18 year old that hasn't yep. had as much, yep. you know life experience dealing with the media. He didn't really have to do it at Kentucky. Uh, you know, didn't play at Kentucky. It, it's just to me, like diving into that world. is just not something yeah. that I do. I don't, I don't think if he's a quiet kid, that's not a bad thing. That's, like it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It just can be who he is. Um, now, in terms of where he falls, there is definitely more heat on guys like Ben Matherin, on guys like Dyson Daniels. Uh, on guys like Keegan Murray, certainly, and Jaden Ivey. So you have your top three. That's your next four. The over-under is seven and a half. It would require him being able to break into that top, that, like, next four grouping in order to be taken under seven and a half. I would stay away from anything Jaden Sharp-related right now. If anything, with points bet, are you able to points bet the – uh, draft positions to where you get like increasing numbers of multiples that you make. I, I haven't yet not seen it,
2: but we can ask uh, for it. <laughs> you can always yeah, ask for it. For it.
0: <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't mind like points betting the over on no. Shaden Sharp, maybe. Yeah. Um, because if it falls, if he falls, like I think there's a chance that like he goes a little bit, but. I also just don't have enough information to be like, oh, yeah, over under seven and a half. Like that's that's a number that I would take. I think he very well could go number four. I think he'd go, you know, six or seven, something like that. Like it wouldn't blow me away at all because Indiana, I think, has done a pretty good job of keeping quiet what they want to do. I think that, you know, they really like it seems like Keegan and Jaden Ivy, whether or not they're able to move up to get one of those guys. We'll see. Uh, Maybe the Kings would be able to, like, negotiate a trade with Indiana. Where you know the 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 trade that just makes the most sense in my world, I've said it five times on five different podcasts. Like Chris Duarte and six for number four. If you really want Jaden Ivey if you're the Indiana Pacers, makes a lot of sense. Jaden's like a perfect fit with Tyrese Halliburton in terms of explosiveness, being able to create his own shot, pressure the basket. Tyrese is incredible as a decision maker, shooter. They both can play on and off the ball. Like that just makes a lot of sense for me in terms of like creating upside for your organization, but it seems like Indiana is very active right now in general on some of their veterans as well, which could mean that they create other opportunities elsewhere uh, to be able to move up or down the board on draft night. So it's, you know, it's going to be complicated here. It's going to be very, very complicated. I think trying to manage what Shaden is what's going to happen with Shaden. Cause I think it could end up being a situation where a team trades up or down to try and get him and, I don't like betting on draft props if I would ever bet. Not that I ever do that. Right. Sure. Now, very <laughs> clear. Um, not that I would ever bet on these. I like things that are more, that I feel better about in terms of the Intel. And because the draft board is so fluid right now yeah. in that four, five, six, seven, uh, even eight to an extent range, I think that it's very difficult to get a handle on the over unders that are listed in that range.
2: Well, let's talk about some later ones as, before we get you out of here. Um, I want by to the way, that's like
0: a, that's a terrible answer. I know it. Oh, that's okay. I know it's a terrible answer. No, I know no, that I people think want to have fun is. on draft
2: night. <laughs> like, I, think that's a, I think that's the thing though, is like, there's a lot of uncertainty here. Like This is yeah. like last year we had some absolute diamonds and we're, I think Keegan Murray is one that I'm really kind of centered on right now. Um, but like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of risk in this market at this point. But yeah. like, there's just to me, and I think some of that is because of like the truncated schedule in terms of like we got done with the finals on like we, on Thursday and the draft is a week later and like all these yeah. types of things and honestly just like the workout process from what I understand like the workouts just there was people were still in workouts up they're still doing them now yeah. and so like it's yeah. a little bit the there's less intel I think than we have
0: had in, in recent years. Um yeah. I mean, look, like as someone that does this personally in terms of scouting, like the draft crept, crept up on me, like in a pretty yeah. real way this year in terms of like the timeline being shortened. I think we all got used to the last couple of years yeah. where it was, you know, we had an extra month last year. We had an extra five months the year before. Uh, I think that teams, you know, didn't necessarily adjust. And it. I certainly it took me a while to adjust as well.
2: Let's hit some quick over unders here on on guys that are in the 10 to the 20s range before we get you out of here. Um, AJ Griffin is the guy that I've been most interested in. Cause I heard really strong things from him from scouts. Uh, I still have not heard anything on his medical. I think that that's still a question mark. That's up in the air. Uh, there was a, it opened at 10 and a half. It moved to 11 and a half. My understanding is that I think he, I like the under, I bet the under, I bet the under at 10 and a half. I think that one might lose, but I like him a lot at 11 specifically. If I find a prop for him to go and you can bet this, if the Knicks don't trade, which is obviously a threat. That's a threat that the next will trade out their, their pick. But if they keep their pick, I think there's a good chance that AJ Griffin goes 11th, which hits the under on there at a plus number. He's juiced to the over. Uh, I've been a little bit surprised that AJ Griffin has not generated more buzz because everyone I talked to about that has seen him or gone through the, t- or done the scout on him or gone to the workouts. is just like incredible shooter. I've just an absolute bucket. Uh, and I'm a little bit surprised that there's not more buzz on him. What are your thoughts on AJ Griffin over under 11 and a half?
0: So I'm a little bit lower on AJ as a prospect in general. Uh, I don't love his defense. His defensive tape this year was really, really bad. That's not to say that he's not going to be a good defender long-term. He's 6'6", with 6'11 wingspan. He was coming off of injuries, you know, basically three years running, including this past year's offseason, entering his season at Duke. So there are plenty of reasons to think that, like, he wasn't quite there defensively at 100%, right? And he can get there. Having said that, it's not very good right now. And we need to acknowledge that. And I think that that's a part of this as we're trying to project A.J. Griffin to the next level. The second part is what you said, Matt. I mean, we just have no indication on the medicals. And this is a guy that has missed parts of the last three, you know, or at least parts of his junior and senior year in high school, and then, you know, had a knee injury coming into his year at Duke. So because of that, I wouldn't feel good touching any number with AJ Griffin right now, just because it doesn't feel um, it doesn't feel like we have enough info on that.
2: Dylan Duran is a really interesting one at ten and a half. He is juiced even on both sides at minus one fifteen at points bet. Um, yep. I think that's really interesting. I've heard him discussed more. Like I think he's got a hard stop at around fourteen fifteen, depending on on if he were to fall that far. But when I look at the, the ten and a half, I was kind of curious because okay, we got the big three. We got Ivy. We got Keegan Murray, Matherin, Dyson That's Daniels. Daniels.
0: That's seven, right? And Sharp is something of a wild card in this. Something mix of a wild card. He extent. could slide, but we yeah. like can put yeah. him in that
2: conversation for eight. So that leaves us with only two spots left for Duran to hit the under. Um, what's your read and what have you heard on Jalen Duran over under 10 and a half?
0: So the way that I think of this is from the perspective of bigs. Right. And landing spots for bigs in an NBA where we're trying to determine, you know, this is all about versatility. Now there are fewer spots for true bigs. I am not someone that really buys into like Jalen Duran being a versatile big. I think he's just like a pure drop big who isn't really going to shoot all that much long term, maybe can hold up on a switch against guards, but probably not against the quickest guards. So you're probably going to drop them constantly in the NBA. So where are the landing spots? How many teams are realistically going to be looking at bigs? I think you can make a case for Portland to maybe look at bigs, depending on what they decide to do with Yusuf Nurkic. I don't really see it for the Pelicans. They have Jonas, they have Zion, they have Jackson Hayes. San Antonio, certainly you can make a case for bigs. From what I gather, they're going to like stick to their board, pure and simple. Like They are not going to just take a big at number nine because they – maybe possibly have a hole in the front court, depending on what happens with the Um, you know, moving forward. Does he sign an extension? Does he leave after next season? We'll see. Uh, number 10 is Washington. They have Christoph Porzingis. If they take a center, God help us all. Uh, <laughs> number 11, the Knicks could realistically take a center. I think uh, very plausible. Number 12, uh, who, who is number 12? Give me give a team. Oklahoma city, the Oklahoma city thunder over the last few years have really built around having five guys that can grab and go and can just grab and start the break quickly. I don't really see Jalen Duran or Mark Williams as being the kind of guy that fits with Oklahoma city on top of it. We think they're probably going to take a big it too. So that doesn't really make sense to me. Number 14, Cleveland, certainly not looking for a big number 16, Atlanta, like, you know, not impossible. Right, just depending on what they do with Clint Capella here, but they also have Clint Capella and, and Yekaa Kongwu, Probably not a great landing spot. That leaves thirteen and fifteen. I think thirteen slash fifteen is probably the landing spot for Jalen Duran if it gets that far. But it's harder to find these spots for bigs than you think, especially if San Antonio and New or, or uh, San Antonio New York pass on bigs in number nine and eleven. Like it's very plausible that San Antonio could just take. Usman Jang and then the Knicks take A.J. Griffin and Jalen Duran and Mark Williams are sitting on the board at 13. The Hornets take one. And then, you know, we're looking at 18 and one of those two guys is still on the board.
2: OK, sounds like we got some value on the over there on on Jalen Duran. And then the last one I'll, I'll give you is uh, Tari Eason over under 17 and a half. I don't think there's any way he gets to 18 just based off of what I've heard. Like Eason has picked up a lot of momentum last couple of days in terms of teams like what I like to target a lot of times with these bets is I want to listen to who's the guy that's generating a lot of interest from certain teams in a range and then expect like yep. if these teams are after him, probably some teams above him or uh, like higher on the list or are after him too. Uh, so Tari Easton, I think is one that I, I, I would look at for the over under seven. I'm going to bet the under on 17 and a half.
0: I think that number's right. Yeah. I do. I think that number is just about right. You know, something like, just right outside the lottery. I, I wouldn't feel great about betting that number either way, to be honest. Okay. I, I'd probably stay away from Tari. You got anything else that you want to share with us on the NBA draft,
2: Sam, in terms of
0: Ooh. like. like I think a guy I saw that... the first. I think I saw the first number for Usman Jeng at 14. Yeah, uh, that was one that I would I'd be pretty stunned if he got past 14. Uh, I'd be stunned if he got out of the lottery is what I would say. You mm-hmm. and you and Ryan Rossillo lockstep on that. No, that's you, uh,
1: I know you can bet right now still at a very juiced number, but you can bet on first international player. Do you do you feel like Jang is close to a lock on that at this point? So we're not counting guys like Dyson Daniels, Ben Hartrian. Yeah, we're, we're basically it's 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 Jovic at that point. That it's it's a head to head I feel
0: pretty yeah. good about Usman Jang being the first international for sure.
1: I'm looking at you can do a top ten bet and uh at, at DraftKings, you do it at points bet. I'm going to read you there are six names who are somewhere between plus 150 and plus 750. So basically, the guys projected to go in like the 11 to 16 range. I want to know, Sam, who you think if one of these guys snuck into the top 10. So I'm not going to do the odds. They're all 150 to 750 at DraftKings Jeremy Sohan, AJ Griffin, Akshay Baji, Usman Jang, Mark Williams, Malachi Branham. Those are the six, and then it really drops off from there. Who's one of those six you feel like could maybe sneak into that top 10? The two
0: names that stood out there to me were Sohan and Jeng. I would say Jeng a little bit more likely than Sohan, but those were the two that whenever you said that immediately kind of popped out. Jeng plus 450.
2: All right, that's going to do it for Buckets. We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode with our guy, Luke Swain, breaking down the NBA draft, getting set for Thursday's draft. Let us know what you're betting Hit hey, us up on Twitter. I'm at HB Basketball. You can follow the company at Action Network HQ. Brandon's on Twitter at Wheaton Brando, W-H-E-A-T-O-N Brando. You can follow Sam's work at The Athletic. And you can find him on Twitter as well at Sam underscore Bassini. You should check him out on The Athletic app as well. Sam, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Of course, guys. Anytime. We'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, let's get focused.